Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Guys, got another uh, international on my block here. I'm your host, Mike Ball. Thanks for watching. If you're enjoying, please hit that subscribe button, like us, rate and review on our YouTube channel, uh, Process to Perform. Hit us anywhere on the audio version of this show on the Believe Network, anywhere you get your audio podcast. But as I say every week, guys, if you're not watching the video on the show, you're missing out because we do a ton, ton of film analysis. We try to get inside the game within the game, see it from a player's perspective. Our show, as always, is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. And the only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes and all of us at BetOnline. With the NFL bowl season, NBA full swing over the holidays, BetOnline isn't taking a second off to make sure that you have all the up-to-second odds, up-to-the-second odds, news, and information. BetOnline has all the sports wagering information available you need with both desktop and mobile access. So head there today and get into the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. And the Packers are facing off against the Vikings as two-point dogs going into Minnesota on prime time Sunday night. This is a must-win for both teams. Packers are are, are uh, seven and eight. Vikings are seven and eight. The way that these both these two teams have gotten to their respective records, though, is very very different. The Packers are now seeing this transition from the offense uh, kind of being the the caboose here on the Packers train, learning young players, Jordan Love first-year guys, second-year receivers, first-year tight ends, Aaron Jones being in and out of the lineup. And you see the momentum building. You see Jordan Love becoming a more complete quarterback and, and really developing, I think, with this with this wide receiver unit uh, over really over the last maybe month or two, uh, especially, you know, obviously I should – I would be remiss if I didn't include Tucker Craft. I know Luke Musgrave is hurt, but the, the young core of skill position players has really come along. On the other side of it, uh, defensively, 400-yard, four 200-yard rushers. Um, in the last three weeks, we've had a perfect passer rating. A two, uh, 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 Bryce Young, the first perk in the draft for the Carolina Panthers, dropping 30 on us, and his best game as a pro, uh, throwing for over 300 yards and two touchdowns. And then sandwiching between that, of course, is uh, another 200-yard rushing uh, defensive effort. So with that, with the questions surrounding Joe Barry, with – with the Devonder Campbell comments, with the Jair Alexander comments now, it looks like he's going to be suspended for a game and all everything that's kind of surrounding that, sort of through that, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, really interesting dynamic, I think, in that locker room when you look at, you know, the players are all talking to one another. They're all friends. They're all they're all um, they're all on kind of on the same side almost all the time. So it's very rarely you're going to see like a defense and an offense that don't interact that are you know completely one sided or saying this is you. They're not pointing fingers, right? They're looking at like we're we're trying to do our job. Who else in this building is not doing their job in order for us to do our job? That's how players kind of band together in that locker room. Hopefully, I mean that's the dynamic you usually have. Not as far as um, let me be clear on that. Not as far as to say they're looking for reasons why things aren't working externally, right? What, what they're saying is, uh, I'm, what I'm saying is like the offense is going to defense like you're not doing your job. The defense is probably talking to the offense like. We don't feel like we're being put in position to win or you know, whatever that situation is with Joe Barry. Personally, for me, the way that they have produced the last couple of weeks, it does call into question um, how confident you are in what is being called the situations that you're being put. I know that's been voiced 
that's been voiced, I think, by a couple of players. But when you really get down to this, there is a a lack of uh, authority, I think, on the defensive side of the football right now. When you talk about Joe Barry, the scheme that's being put in, the way that's being called, and sometimes what happens is because I pointed this out in the in the uh, the last show, missing tackles has nothing to do with with the defensive coordinator. But what happens is you get the ball rolling downhill, and it becomes you know, it's like the point of least resistance is let's blame the coordinator and the, and the players start talking about this as well. Oh, there's this one call where I didn't like it. There was this one scheme play where I didn't like the scheme. And they excuse the, you know, six missed tackles, eight missed tackles, you know, somebody dragging a, a linebacker or a safety for an extra six yards, um, not fitting, not, you know, getting the run fit right. So there's, you know, there's a lot of kind of, issues to address and blame to go around. But what I'm just, you know, telling you from the player's perspective, or just a human perspective is what is the most natural thing to do here, obviously, is find the path of least resistance for a lot of these guys. And unfortunately, you know, right now it's, well, remember that play that we got out schemed on? Well, I don't believe what So what you hope is you have enough leadership in that room where they're either addressing that directly with the coaching staff and or shutting down or suppressing a lot of that talk in the, in the locker room until, and, and just saying, Listen. Let's take care of our own house. You know, control what you can control. Still, still uh, practice stoicism a little bit. Control what's under your control. Do the best you can. Right, and we have to live with the with with the, the rest of it for right now. We can always try to adjust. I think we can always try to be proponents of of, of change. I think, especially on the defensive side, when you talk about scheme, we talk about how you're going about your business, what you're learning on the film room and the meeting room. But you have to be able to control the things that are under control. Are your techniques, your run fits, your, your tackling, your, your eyes, or are you doing the best job uh, yourself? Because if you're not, going outside and blaming Joe Barry or whoever it might be, problematic. The Vikings, on the other side, have been struggling to come up with offensive answers since you know the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, went down. They obviously, they've gone through Josh Jobs, now they're with Nick Mullins. I think the good news right now for them, I mean, when you talk, talk about the injury about really affecting the team, the Minnesota Vikings look so good beginning of, at the beginning of the season. And uh, Kirk Cousins goes down. Uh, Justin Jefferson is down. And, uh, Addison comes in. The first round pick looks really, really good. Hawkinson's looking really, really good. Well, now you're looking at it like Justin Jefferson's back. And he looks like that dude again. I mean, he looks really good. But they look, they lost Jordan Addison to injury. J.J. Hawkinson looks like he's going to be down. There was a big hit uh, at, his, at his kind of ankles last week that looked like it was pretty severe. Uh, but obviously traded Dalvin Cook to the Jets because he wanted a new contract. And really what you're looking at from the Minnesota Vikings standpoint, like they've, they're so depleted on offense. So you lost your quarterback, your first, your, your first pick in the draft, your, your all pro tight end or your all, you know, whatever. Most, you know, one of the most important pieces of your running game. You traded away your running back, your right tackle, sir, Brian O'Neill. Uh, and, oh, by the way, Justin Jefferson is just coming back into form now for the first time. They're on their third quarterback. I mean, they got a lot of pride. It's tough to gloss over a lot of these issues. They're winning games. They're still in this. They're seven and eight. I think they have the eighth spot in the playoffs right now because their defense is really good. And the way that they're running with Coach, you know, Coach Flores and kind of what he's put in from a pressure for, a pressure package on that defense. I mean, they've got all pro guys at every level and really, really good. We'll go into a little bit more, but they've got big time playmakers on that defensive side. When you look at this Packer team going into this game, they're seven and eight. They do have an outside chance of making the playoffs, but you're coming off a week where this. This game almost felt like a loss um, in, in the locker, in the sense that, God, you gave up another 30. You scored 33, but there was, you kind of got lucky with a call at the end of the game to get the final field goal. 
I can promise you that everyone in the building accepts the win for what it is. Like wins are hard to come by in the National Football League. I don't care if you're playing an 0 and 12 team, like a 2 and 10 team. Like wins are hard to come by. But that locker room is talking amongst themselves um, about what's happened to that defense. Offensive guys are talking to offensive guys, defensive guys, defensive guys. They're intermingling special teams. I mean, everybody is talking. What is going on? How do we get this better? What what needs to happen? And you add to that issue the Jared Alexander situation. I know that they just suspended him, and I had some thoughts on this before. This is a uh, this is one symptom of a larger issue, I think, with Jared Alexander. Unfortunately, there's I think there's a lot of you know he's an outspoken guy. He's you know one of the highest cornerback uh, highest paid cornerbacks in the league. He's been one of your best players. He's been injured, so you're not playing up to form. There's a lot of things that happen behaviorally when you get paid, you get injured, you're not up to standard. Like, how do you react? How do you deal with that? Do you not like what's going on with scheme? How do you deal with that? What's acceptable? What's not? You know, my my position on this was if if in a Mike Holmgren coach team, if this happened during the the the, the coin toss, depending on the on the on the position of that player, as far as as far as where he ranks in the locker room, um, the the consequences could be severe. He'd be benched on the spot. He could um, he would get a complete ass chewing on the sideline, no quite in front of everybody, no question about it. I mean, bottom line, that would be the bottom line thing that would happen, even right before the game. In this day and age. Relationships are so important with this generation of athletes, the way that coaches interact and how friendly they are with this generation of athletes. The fact that uh, it was not known by the chief of staff didn't tell Matt before, like, hey, you know, you're going to Jair's home. Can He should probably be an honorary captain. Unless there's something bigger going on, like unless, you know, unless they have a, a, a very sour relationship where they're like, we're not doing that for him because we don't like what he's been saying. We don't like how he's been acting, wh- whatever it is. I don't, you, we don't know. Nobody knows that it's at people's side of the locker room and the, and the meeting rooms. But it seems like this is a symptomatic, symptomatic issue of a larger problem. And, uh, you know, the suspension for the game, you really have two options to go with Jared Alexander. It's like, are you going to take this for what it is? Like, you need to reset. You need to reset the way you think about uh, conducting yourself with this team, the way you talk about this team, the way you're, you act as a leader. Or are you going to look at this and go, these guys don't support me. I'm writing them off. I want out. And I, I guess the only good thing that can come from this is hopefully you get a message uh, from Jair back in his behavior next week, or you know probably this week in, in practices meetings. But how does he take this this setback? Does he take it and go, okay, I need to look in the mirror and take care of myself, take care of the stuff I can control again, and become the best version of me? Or are you going to go? I don't like the way they're calling plays for me. I don't like the schemes that I'm in. I don't like the way I'm being coached. I don't like the way I'm being treated. Now they've suspended me. I'm done. Hopefully you get that information now because then you can do something in the offseason, one way or the other. And I think that's probably the, the only positive that comes out of this because you need your best players on the field when you're trying to win these games. This is a huge loss, I think, for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I know that other guys have been playing, but like we just have to be honest about his talent versus other, you know, other people's talent on this team, especially with Sula Douglas being dealt to. Buffalo Bills. I know these young kids, Valentine, Valentine have done well, but come on, it's not the same without Jerry Alexander, and he's a better player. <clears throat> I want to talk about first about the, the Vikings offense before we get to this tape. They're 20th, uh, 20th in, uh, no, excuse me, 21st in the, in the league points per game. They're 20.9 points per game. They have 350 yards per game, so 10th in the league. They actually move the ball up and down the field pretty well. That means they're not probably as good in the red zone as they want to be. 
but only 93 rushing yards per game. And that's the 27th in league. What stands out when you watch the Detroit game tape in particular is that they're not even trying to run the ball. And the offense would start off the season doing some things very well. Kevin O'Connell's a really good play caller, great offensive mind. But like I said before, they just lost too many good players. Um, if, at some point, things start to pile up. And, you know, we talked about Addison's hurt, Hawkinson's hurt, Brown knew the right tackle is missing some time. A lot of moving parts have to work together seamlessly for the offense to, to execute at a high level for most plays. Obviously, you have your Justin, you know, your Justin Jefferson moments, but a lot of things have to go right. Kirk Cousins is out. Jefferson's just coming back. And the biggest thing you're going to see with Nick Mullins is third, this now third quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins is really timing, pocket awareness, and then his downfield actually just isn't the same. So the one thing that you always say about Kirk Cousins, man, he didn't want to get hurt. He'd get rid of the ball. This guy holds the ball a bit longer. There's some opportunities to get get, get after the quarterback. And, you know, the, the Minnesota Vikings is still move the ball around, but I think touchdowns are just going to be tougher to come by because – the timing in the route selection, I mean, every it's just not the same level at the quarterback position. So with that said, let's watch some tape. If you guys know, I got to move this thing around a little bit. So we got under center motion. So you got really a, you got a 12 personnel, you got two tight ends at the bottom, we go trips right. Under center, play action. And this is the thing you're going to see a lot from the, especially when with Jordan Jefferson or Justin Jefferson back, you're going to get a lot of deep routes and you're going to have some chip outs, especially with that right tackle because Brian O'Neill's been out and I think Quesenberry's in there right now. And of course, he's going to want, you know, help against Rashad Gary and, and company. But they do a great job of chipping out, releasing late and just getting these free yards, man. There's just nobody in the screen. And this is one of the first couple of plays of the game and they go for like 30 here. And this really happens all day. We go so now we got a empty look. You got two by three comes back in, into uh, into the backfield. So you got a three by one to the right. Again, you have to chip out and just an easy check down for a first down. Check down for first down all day. And what you have to do on some of these plays now, and this is the Detroit Lions they're playing against. When you think about the Green Bay Packers, is you got to use your eyes here. So they got Hawkinson going in motion. They got a uh, they got a under center. You know, they got a play. They got a player up top. You can't see just off the screen, but you're really going to go to a three by one look here. But you got to use your eyes. Hawkinson is in a, the way his his angle is towards the line of scrimmage. Like he's not blocking right now. This is not a block. The the demeanor of the up wide receiver on the bottom of the screen is not to to attack Aiden Hutchinson. So this isn't a, a toss crack. This isn't any of any of that stuff. You have to be able to use your eyes at the linebacker position and immediately know that you are going to, you're going to get some sort of play action pass here, right? Because that's what they're going to live on if they give, if given the opportunity with this quarterback. So now they get, because you get that sucked in linebacker look and the safety look on the backside, look how open uh, our friend of the show, KJ Osborne is. And these are just the, the kind of things that really give them some free money plays. I think that the Packers can defeat quickly if you just do a little, have a little eye discipline. The difference in the game is timing. You see, uh, I think this is Hutchinson attacking Quesenberry, the right tackle. He backs him up into the fullback who backs him up into the quarterback. And at this point, really, Kirk Cousins is throwing this ball now, and the ball's gone. And because he just can't quite get rid of this ball on time, there's a lot of pressure throws, there's a lot of sacks in the game that you wouldn't get with a their first-string quarterback. So you go to trips left here on motion. And this is the other thing we talk about, downfield accuracy. 
there is space to throw this football really from the NFL logo all the way to the 15 yard line at the sideline. And instead of throwing it away from his DB, he ends up throwing it low, throwing it underneath and he ends up getting picked. This happens a couple times in the game. We really have a trips left look here. Uh, tight ends uh, detached on the upside. Lines are showing zone. And they're running a bunch of different pressure looks, trying to back some linebackers off the ball, give them something to think about. And again, you've got a wide open shot here to the to the numbers at the forty, wide open. You have leverage on the safety. The uh, at the bottom of the screen, you see the cornerback sit, sitting on the thirty yard uh, comeback route. Excuse me, comeback route at the thirty yard line, and he just doesn't quite put this ball in the right spot and they have another turnover and there's time to throw there's room to throw there's everything they have everything they want from a scheme standpoint but it's just not getting out the same now you go back to under center play action you go from a trip slip to a two by two motion just to make it easier for nick mullins to understand what coverage it is plus they're going to under center play action so he turns his back he has really in these situations you have one read and Ancelotti does a good job of beating the left guard here. I think that's a tackle, actually, uh, Darius, uh, on the stunt. But this ball's got to be gone. If this is Kirk Cousins, the ball's gone. Nick Mullins is going to hold it for a little bit longer. He's not seen it as fast. He doesn't process as fast. There's a reason that Kirk Cousins makes so much money. You know, as, as, you know, he's one of those quarterbacks that we like to you know, kick when he's down. But the fact is he does a pretty good job, I think, at processing. And he certainly gets rid of the ball on time. I think the other thing you have to say about the, the Minnesota Vikings is without Dalvin Cook, um, and they have Madison, of course, but they're just not the running football team I think they wanted to be early in the, in, the, in the season. And one of the reasons is the running backs just don't do a good job of getting north and south. So you have a 12 personnel look here. you got two tight ends on the bottom and then flanked by the wide receiver. You have outside leverage by the cornerback. Really, they have all they want on the on the bottom of the screen here as far as like it's really easy to get a one-on-one -on -one situation with this running back. So we're running what we call kind of that kick play. We talk about everyone's going to block down and seal off. The running back's going to bounce outside. And really, it's a north and south play. And I'm going to pause it right here. Right here, this is a north and south play. And you, I think everybody can see if he runs back towards the hash, he's still running. He's got to make the safety miss for a touchdown. But they're just not seeing it right now. And he bounces it outside and they pick up minimal yardage. And so even when the guys have the opportunity to make a, a really good block, they're not doing it. Now, the other part is, I don't know if uh, Garrett Bradbury's hurt, uh, the center, he was a first round pick a couple years ago. I don't think, at, this, at least in this last game, he wasn't playing on level. He did a very poor job of kind of understanding where the pressure comes from here. So they're sliding to the left and the guard so Bradbury gets beat right across his face, but he's sliding to the left and the guard gets confused here and they don't bounce this out. This is a two minute drill. And so this could be one of two things. They could be thrown hot off that safety, which they have to be able to talk about. Uh, Nick Mullins has to understand. Or if they're going to bounce this all the way out and they're going to do a kind of a four man slide 67 coming over, it has to be a lot more sudden. Now that's a very, very tough ask in two minutes. But again, I think this is one of those that you probably see Kirk Cousins getting rid of the ball to that tight end at the top of the screen right now, trying to throw it over Ancelotti. And so I think the Packers can bring pressure up the middle. 
think if you bring multiple guys, you know, you're always leaving yourself in an open, you know, an open situation to, to get beat deep, but, or get beat with open space. But right now, Nick Mullins isn't seeing that very well. Why stick Nods and play with TJ Hawkinson? It's everyone's favorite play if you're a tight end. Why stick Nods is your quick out and then back up. It happened to us uh, on Isaiah McDuffie this last week. So there's the nod and there's the up and there's the pass. And that's where Hawkinson goes down. But they have, I think they have O'Neal, uh, who's, I can't remember their backup's name, but you know, they have some guys that can still play at the tight end position. We talk about everybody's doing it. We talk about the insert here. Changing the kind of the landscape. We have that insert from KJ Osborne inside that tight end. So we go play action pass, insert in. So why do they insert? They insert because usually that means run and they're going in to block the safety. So the corner lays off a little bit and looks, his eyes go to the backfield to run. Nick Mullins makes the good, easy throw to KJ. Touchdown. So really good scheme. And again, Bradbury is not a fish. This is not a find the fish moment, but because I think Bradbury is a good player, but he's this last game, he, he struggled a little bit. He struggled from a, I think a, a pre-snap processing standpoint and some technique failed him at times with his first step. I still think a really good player, um, but it was just, it kind of jumped off tape and I wasn't expecting to see him get beat or having some issues that he was having. Obviously this is not only on him, but they're clearly on some different levels. And if you just kind of play this play out, it looks like the right guard's correct and the center's not. We'll shove at the end of it. Justin Jefferson is back and he is, I mean, his ability to cover ground is just ridiculous. He's a really, really talented guy. You see over here at the bottom of the screen, they just go, you know, two by two and he runs a corner post and just gets laid out, but he's fine. They get the flag, everything. He's just a real stud. And then because they have, and they're going to do this anyways, Kevin O'Connell's a really good play caller, but they're getting creative. They're trying to create some, some offense, you know, especially with all the injuries. So they go double reverse back to the quarterback. It's a beat that, you know, again, if Nick Mullins hits him in stride, this is a touchdown, but he hits him, he throws a back shoulder ball for some reason and they end up not, you know, getting out on the, on the nine. So this team, this team is still moving the football. They're just, uh, they're just having a real hard time with, I think a lot of things that, you know, if we're being honest, really a lot of things that are surrounding the quarterback. I think you really, you really took a loss when you, when you lost Kirk. Um, and then all these other guys being hurt, you know, Addison in particular, the, the year he was starting to have, um, I think it started with Green Bay actually, unfortunately, but really good player. Hawkinson me now, that was going to be, going to be a problem. The Vikings defense, 19.9 points per game, 10th in the league, 320 yards per game, 13th in the league, 95 yards per game, rushing ninth in the league. They're good. It took a couple of weeks for the defensive guys to get in sync with, with, Defensive coordinator Brian Flores. We talked about it when he was coming over in the offseason. One of the biggest moves in the NFL, I thought. I still think that you look at the change in this defense and how like how difficult it is to diagnose what they're doing, especially with a couple of guys they have on the field already. Um, heavy, heavy pressure. They're bringing it more often than than I think everybody else in the league. They do a pretty good job of covering themselves up on the back end. So you know, we always talk about pressure equals picks, but it also equals opportunities, right? And the Packers have to make this team pay 
for pressuring Jordan Love because they're going to do it. And Brian Flores is one of those guys who's all gas, no breaks. He's not going to take his foot off the gas, but you have to, you know, you have to up your completion percentage. You have to take the gimmies. You have to be on the same page. I think from a, you know, we always talk about identification, communication, and execution. It is so, so important this week in particular that the Green Bay Packers and that skill position group really understands who's the open guy, who's going to get the ball now, and then can we make plays after the catch? Guys are playing well at every level of this defense. I think Daniil Hunter is obviously having a career year, but Harrison Phillips stands out on the front line, especially in this last game. Jordan Hicks has had a couple highlight reel plays. This last week he had one. I have it on tape. I mean, you just don't see, you know, Penesul gets absolutely trucked. You just don't see that very often from a guy that size. Harrison Smith, he almost seems purpose-built, I think, for this defense because he's so smart. He's always around the line of scrimmage anyway. His ability to disguise now, and they'll drop him, and they'll play they'll play robber or lurk underneath. Um, they'll drop him as a linebacker. They do so many different things because of his ability to diagnose, I think, what the route combinations are in pressure situations. We're going to look at the three you know, first three plays of this game, actually, and just you know start right now. Harrison is everywhere. So we start off. He's up top. He's, he's looking like he's going to blitz. He ends up dropping. But because they're dropping into a zone look, they still have the high slant to beat the safety right there at the 36-yard line above the uh, hash. So first play of the game. Second play of the game, he's down here at the bottom. He's kind of looking around. He's a box playing safety more often than not. You can see that the Minnesota Vikings are doing a lot of to stop the Detroit Lions. They want a lot of big men on the line of scrimmage, a lot of five-man lines with, uh, you know, all big bodies. So now he's coming backside. And what this does is really, I'll show this from the end zone, between him and, and Hunter now, you're going to get singled up guys with the linebacker and the receiver. The receiver and the, linebacker and, the and the tight end here, excuse me. The tight end and the receiver were going to double 99, but now that, that Harrison Smith there, they have to single block. And that, of course, is a mismatch for the tight end against Neil Hunter, although Sam LaPorte is a pretty good blocker. That's just not going to get the job done. Ends up making the play. So what they're trying to do is what we always talk about. They're trying to create single blocks for those defensive linemen to be able to defeat their guys at the weak point. Now we see him back kind of roaming around, looking like he's not coming. And now all of a sudden he comes out late here. Now they get they get the edge and leverage. I'm talking about the Lions on the on the front side, but you can see what the thought process is here. I think with the Minnesota Vikings is really like we want to send an extra guy as often as possible, and we just we just don't want you to know exactly where it comes from. So they're using they're using Jordan Hicks, they're using Harrison Smith. Um, they're trying to mix up looks a lot, but if you can follow the if you can kind of follow where Smith is uh, right before the snap, you get a really good indicator of what's going to happen. Now, what you can't count on, here's another one, Harrison Smith comes in. You can't count on this, right? He's at this point where it's like, I'm going to have a blow-up play. But are they going to hand the ball off or not? And this Jamar Gibbs kid is unbelievable. He ends up spinning out of this. And when you talk about the game, the Detroit Lions uh, team here, he ends up funneling this ball. But you talk about the Detroit Lions team in this last game, and what really happened was at some point, Jamar Gibbs just said, I'm a better athlete on the field than anybody else. And uh, he just made some things happen that, you know, I don't know if, you know, I really like Aaron Jones and I think he's a really special player, but this Jamar Gibbs just has a different level of elusiveness that I don't know, if it, you know, except for this B. John Robinson kid, I don't know if there's any young running backs in the league that, that look quite like him. Now we'd like to see this stand up. If we're going to play a 12 personnel look, you know, bringing Sims and having to play with, uh, with Tucker Craft, we've talked about it. 
on the line of scrimmage, they do a pretty good job of slipping. So we just do some sort of combination block. Now they're going to single up here, but anytime you have a stand-up defensive end, and this this is an uncomfortable position for that defensive end. In other words, he's got two guys with hands in the ground, and now he's playing set. They're going to say they like this better, but from a leverage standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. So they end up getting the slip with Panay Sewell. Get the outside safety number 44 block of the tight end just enough for the running back to get it to get around the edge. Talk about pressure equals picks. Well, it also equals opportunities. So they bring the safety, they scheme it up, and now you've got wide open players at the 30-yard line, the top of the numbers there on the top of the screen. You have obviously the check down right underneath. You could throw the deep ball as well, but there's just tons of space here when you bring extra men. Drop zones have space. When I talk about a drop zone, what I mean is we're showing all these people up top. Get back to it. We're showing one, two, three, four, five, six. We're showing seven guys possibly coming. They don't, we don't know who's showing up, but if we can diagnose this by, by studying film, by looking at body posture and demeanor, assuming that your big four are gonna go and then doing a good job of adjusting it in real time. Drop zones have a ton of space. So you look at here in the middle of the field, it's all you can eat at the 40, at the, at the numbers, at the 40 right here, at the top of the numbers, on the bottom of the screen. There is nobody in, in place because they're not going drop man, they're going drop zone. So he's a five yard kind of cushion wherever he goes. They bring again. Now, this is the kind of play that when we're talking about the Green Bay Packers, you got your five yard out, which I think Jordan Love threw pretty well last week. And this is the difference. This can be a five yard out or a three yard out or whatever tackled and you just move on to second and seven. Or you break this tackle. And this is the problem with running all this pressure. That guy runs right by. And that's literally like top gun. Like, where'd he go? Man, I hit the brakes. He flew right by. Okay. And if you're going to allow that kind of stuff to happen on Minnesota's on the tape, you know, you the players see tape like this and they go, if that guy made a miss, I know I can make a miss, right? Some confidence there. I think the Minnesota Vikings are playing really well uh, up front. 91 here making a play, slipping inside the guard. Pretty excited with himself. 91 making a play here. This ends up being a sack. Now, really, the play is made by Daniil Hunter beating the left tackle inside, pressuring the quarterback to back up, and he backs up right into town. He gets a little rodeo takedown, but good playing by him. Jordan Hicks. Now watch this play by Jordan Hicks. I mean, this is a Scud missile, man. Scud missile is the one that you fired out of, you know, the joke was like Scud missile was being fired out of the back of a Volvo, and then you had to turn on the TV and CNN to see where it landed, right? Like, I'm going to hit somebody. I mean, jacked up, no flag. I'm <laughs> – I thought they were going to call in. When I watched this play in real time, I thought, man, I'm sure they threw a flag here because helmet to helmet contact or something, the way the NFL is going. But, man, he absolutely destroys Sewell right there. Jordan Hicks is playing high level here. We have another play. He's going to come around here on the game, beat the center, get the pressure. Playing high, high level. And we got a little bit of Harrison Phillips here. Harrison Phillips is playing some good football, man. So, and Frank, you got to remember that guard is is a, a backup and he's struggling. 
Frank Radnow is a good player, and he got Frank a couple times here. And the game getting in on these plays, you see this one in particular of just doing a really good job. Frank's got his hands inside, but just does a good job of sitting on this, making the block late. It's a four-yard gain, so Frank's going to say, hey, it's a win's a win. But I think Harrison's playing really at a high level. I think both those guys are, Daniel Hunter and Harrison. Some, there's some other players on their defensive line that are, are – are, they're just doing their job at a, and executing at a high level right now. But what the Detroit Lions show is, is play speed kill. So first thing, they run the motion. And because we're late to trail here, we look at the uh, at the 20-yard line at the, at the uh, hash mark. We're late to catch up. So they just run a tunnel screen. But they're going to run a tunnel screen based on the guy who's late coming over on the adjustment. So we block out on the motion. And we get for the first down. And all you have to do is run away from that player. Now, 90 does a good job of knocking Sewell back three yards. But because, I mean, so this is usually, a, this is problematic. They get a great double team. I went the right guard in the, in the center. Backside uh, guard does a good job on Harrison Phillips. Jordan Hicks is trying to figure out where to insert. This should be a good stop because of the penetration you got at the right tackle position. But, I mean, this Jamar Gibbs, man, there's some stuff you look at and go, there's not much I can do about this. 44 comes in, team captain, good player. Now, he's playing on the tight end right now, so they're playing match on the tight end. It puts him in a very, very difficult position because they run so much play action and a tight end is such a good player. He's got to sit here, and now if they do a double-team block from uh, 98 or 99 up to 44, talking about both tight ends, you got time because 44 is not going anywhere. And so they end up being able to hold on the defensive end. He's got to run over the top, and you're not running over the top on these guys. man. They're just too fast. I think this is the last one we got. And the kids, he's making two guys miss the hole. You know, all pro Harrison Smith. And then this guy, I mean, goodness gracious, all kinds of nasty. So I don't know. Sometimes when you're watching tape, you're going, oh, yeah, well, I saw them. They ran for X amount of yards, and they did this and that. And you go, and then you gotta, you really got to watch the personnel and go, uh, I don't know if we can do that. Like Aaron Jones can, can make some guys miss, but what that kid did was amazing. And if you watch the rest of the game, it's a pretty even matchup. The Minnesota Vikings are playing well on defense. They got some. They have some. They have some work to do on offense, but they're playing well on defense. So, let's get the matchup and keys to victory. Number one matchup: Rashawn Gary is going to get chipped early. You'll see it all week. Hawkinson was chipping, you know, chipping check down. Okay, he's going to get chipped early and often this game. Talking about Rashawn over there against the backup tackle. How does that team respond? How do we move him around? Do we give him opportunities at different positions? You know, we talk about going down to the right guard position potentially on this team. Uh, talking about the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. Christian Darrisaw is a great player, but he's put some opportunities on tape. And so I'm looking for how the team plays with Sean versus uh, O'Neal's backup. Then I'm also looking for Preston Smith and on uh, Christian Darrisaw. I think Preston Smith has proven this year that he can beat anybody in the league. He's having an excellent season. He's having an excellent season from a pressure and sack standpoint. So I can expect that to continue against what I think is a really good young left tackle in Christian Darrisaw. Number two, the pressure, uh, the Packers skill group versus Vikings pressure. You know, like we talked about it, you know, dealing with pressure is about ID in the front, ID in the coverage, communicating and executing. If the Packers can, can find time for love, uh, 
we can, it, it's been proven that the Vikings get beat on extended routes when they give up, when they're uh, pressuring the quarterback. Time is the key. Minnesota's dome is going to be rocking Saturday night. Are they going to be able to communicate either verbally or non-verbally on the line of scrimmage and understand what's in play, what adjustments we're making, and then being able to execute that in a very, very kind of chaotic situation. Number three matchup, Rasheed Walker versus Daniil Hunter. Hunter is a premier pass rusher in this league. I made the mistake last year of calling him Danielle. Didn't hear the end of it for the entire season from Vikings fans. Daniil Hunter, my bad. This kid is really good. Because of all the pressure he's going to get, because of all the pressure the Minnesota Vikings run, he's going to get singled up against the Packers' left tackle. Can Rasheed Walker uh, really kind of hang on? And again, it's tough to, we don't talk about it that much, but it's really tough to overstate how difficult it is playing in, in a really, really hostile environment. It's loud, rocking, can't hear the snap count, all that stuff. The, the game is so much more difficult on the road than it is at home in a place like Minnesota. Keys to victory. Number one, communicate defensively. A lot of motion, a lot of overlap in the Vikings offense. So they're going to use motion to identify for Nick Mullins. They're going to use that overlap looks to kind of put leverage issues on with the safety and cornerback. We showed that on the on the KJ Osborne touchdown. If the Packers don't communicate, if the Packers don't stand script from a defensive secondary standpoint, Nick Mullins starts looking like Kirk Cousins. And if Nick Mullins looks like Kirk Cousins in this game with their defense, we're in trouble. Number two, more Aaron Jones. Last week, I think Aaron Jones got 127 yards-ish on the ground. Really the lighter fluid for this offense, though. Right? I mean, if you just think about it from game one, when he's in there, things are happening. When he's not, we have problems. The Vikings are really good against the run. The Packers need to be able to create second and manageable, third and short opportunities. A lot of that's going to come through the run game and how they use Aaron Jones. Is it going to be, is it going to be in the screen game? Is it because pressure screens? I mean, there's huge, huge opportunities when you can identify who the coverage guy is in the screen in the screen game, but what we're talking just about from a running standpoint, can we get bodies on bodies? Can we move people on and move them off the ball? Can we displace people who don't want to be displaced, get to the second level, take care of Jordan Hicks and company, take care of Harrison Smith and give Aaron Jones those opportunities to slip that block. Like we saw in the Detroit game, you have the leverage on the kick play. You have the, you have the outside leverage from the, the cornerback, but he doesn't run through that tackle like, Aaron Jones did the exact same kind of play the week before. Number three, pressure of the quarterback. Mullins does not have the pocket pressure that Kirk Cousins does. Can we take advantage of that? Can we get him on the ground early and often? We change the dynamic of this game. I think one of the biggest things with this game for me is that it just really stood out how little the Minnesota Vikings were interested in running the football against the Detroit Lions. And they just didn't have a lot of success. Um, it looked like a different offensive line. You know, obviously all the it, things pile up and it does matter. And so the, and the who's running the football, as we know, matters. I think last week, you know, Aaron Jones has 4.8 yards of carry, something like that. But I think A.J. had 1.7. A lot of that's short yardage and whatnot. But you understand that the, the narrative there is when you're watching tape and you see one guy do it, you just, you know, it builds confidence. If you see one guy running the football against them or not running the football against them, it builds confidence for that offensive or defensive side, particularly down in the trenches. So this is going to be a good game. You know, when you talk about a two-point spread at home for Minnesota, you really it's a coin flip game, right? So this is one of those, for me, I think the offense is building. It'll be really interesting to see how the team – there's two things going on because you got the Devondre Campbell statement. So he's out. Maybe Isaiah McDuff is just playing the rest of the season because, for me – you know, the Devondre Campbell stuff and not playing hurt and all this kind of stuff and having feeling like they had to go out. We talked, we addressed that a little bit last week, but really when you sit and think about the last two weeks and, and, and defensive leaders 
locker room leaders speaking out in different ways or, or acting out in different ways. The Devondre Campbell um, situation for me is, uh, I think it's more problematic in terms of, I think he's making a real statement about the state of the team or the state of his relationship with the staff or, or something because, you know, and I probably personalize that because I, I went through a very similar thing. But for me, I'm putting him on IR. Like, oh, you, don't, you think you're hurt, you don't want to play? Okay, we're going we're gonna to agree with you and we're going to put you on, we're going to take you out of the equation so that you feel like you can heal up and you can also feel like we respect that you've been busting your ass for us. So I think there's an issue. There's like an opportunity there for them to really show um, how they care about these players. If in fact, you just can't play anymore. There's two more games that I can't play. I'm not going to give you what you want. Um, so I'm not, I, I shouldn't be in the game. Cause you have, he definitely has more than a competent, uh, competent backup in Isaiah McDuffie. Now the other side of that is with Zaire and his comments over the course of the season. It, it's just, it feels like it's a different conversation, right? Like, when I see some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I, I think back to a couple of guys that I play with. I don't want to mention names right now that are wearing the sunglasses, wearing the funny hats and doing all, you know, not funny hats, but back in the day, funny hats, but wearing all this, you know, kind of presenting this and brand awareness and the look at me, that, that, all of that stuff. And, and then having some unsettling offhanded kind of, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess we could have an okay game plan. I guess, you know, I, I guess we, you know, we just got to run what's called and you know, all that and choosing to put yourself out there and then choosing to address it in that manner. Like I see that different than Devondre being generally upset that he feels like he's busting himself. You know, he's, he's playing hurt. He's doing all these things and he's not being appreciated. So there's kind of two things going on, how they react to it. It'll be and continuing and the Joe Barry stuff and, 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 how they react to all that offensively and defensively, I think will be the, the, the determinant of this game. Close one. Listen, next time we do this show, I'll be back in the States for the uh, game. Why this music's not playing, but <laughs> believe me that I'd love it to. And uh, listen, hit that subscribe button, rate, and review on our YouTube channel. Thanks for watching, guys. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.